know, I never used to be able to do cold um, coffee anyway. Like, cold coffee like, is only... Like iced coffee? Yeah. Uh, it was gross to me. It was absolutely appalling. I've only just been able to do it with the coffee concentrate. So. See, I was... I think I was like that for a while. But um, I've discovered a few iced coffees that I can really, like, get behind. Because a few of them I've found taste really sugary. So that you don't really get a coffee. It's just, like, sugar milk with a splash of coffee in it. But mm. the... um. What's the brand of the ones? But they do this stripped one, so it's like low sugar, but like double shot of coffee in it, and it's just, it's magical. I don't like the taste of coffee, so you won't ever see me drinking a nice, <laughs> nice coffee. Has that been like a, a long-term thing, like ever since you can remember? Yeah. Or is that like a recent transition? Yeah, very, very early thing. <laughs> like, yeah, just don't don't get the bitterness of, of coffee. See... Like, I hated the smell of instant coffee and I even tried instant coffee because that's what my parents drink. And I was like, this stuff is shit. And so someone actually (laughs) bought me a cappuccino that was professionally made. Granted, it had like three sugars in it, but I was like, that was my transition. (laughs) And now... The the heavens opened up and there's this like beam of light down Yeah, thanks for the addiction, guys. The legal one as well too. Thanks for that. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, can I God. ask, with the family, were they an international roast family oh. or a Nes, Nes, um, you know, the Nescafe one? Nescafe, yeah. The Blend 43 yeah, or whatever 45. it is. Yeah, 45. Is it 45? I think it's 45. 43. It was 43. My bad. Either way, We were the shit. old international roast, which is like bottom barrel, home brand, like just powder coffee. That's what was in my household. So that's what I grew up on. Um, drinking it far too young. I think I had my first coffee when I, like, I would have easily been eight years old what? maybe a bit less oh god yeah <laughs> i probably i lived in some very weird times um at, at eight years old i reckon i was actually making tea and coffee for my parents but that's mm. about it <laughs> <laughs> no i had my own like little mini kid cup that had my name on it no. you know, i had my little little flat tea flat spoon of coffee and uh sugar and i was good to go <laughs> doing that like i know now that they give it to kids like you know what do they call like mochaccinos baby chinos baby chinos that's it that's it it's just heated up milk that's all it is i know but it's like a gateway it's like it's like getting your kid used to that culture right it's like hey you know it's normal to sit around and drink at a coffee shop that's what they're doing they're breeding it in the kids early oh yeah normalizing (laughs) it Yeah, the the world is a dark, twisted place. You know, they are implanting these seeds into the youth very, very early. Mm-hmm. I know I'm contradicting myself there because we've been putting Archer in the in the VR system, and I've done a lot of things as a kid early as well. But you know, if in a controlled environment, I think it's good. But if uh, the the corporate fat cats are trying to peddle it, then no, thank you. I've got my I've got video of my son playing um, Angry Birds in VR. So, it's great, isn't it? It's fucking great. <laughs> and he, yeah. he just, I, I left him for like an hour one day and he was just playing and <laughs> I'm like, it's probably not good for his eyes, but I will. Yeah, we've, we've been we've been doing sort of like 10 minute bursts with Arch and then getting it off him for a while. Yeah. And because, and, yeah, it's like it is written all over the box, like 12 years old and up or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, chucking a six year old kid in, it's probably not the best, yeah. but uh, he's having a great time. Now he's got vertigo. <laughs> 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 Man, I I was playing the um this the I can't remember what it's called, it's like Darth Vader experience or something, this new Star Wars offshoot they did for the quest. And I I turned off the you know in VR how it's got the look in the area and it'll jump to certain regions instead of the, oh, the, the movement warp, yep. off the joysticks. 
I, I turned the warp off and was just doing m- normal smooth motion as it said in the game and I got vertigo after about 25 seconds of doing that Ugh. I'm like no that's that's enough for me sat down changed it back and then was doing warping again because I it hurt my brain yeah my brain well I'm about so cool I'm about four hours into my playthrough of Trover at the moment so I've heard really good things about that game. yeah I'm I'm getting my um my thoughts written down at the moment so I can get ready to send it over to you guys so I can get a bit of a, a review of my review before I actually record it <laughs> Heck yeah, convert that into a nice video review. Trevor reviews Trover. (laughs) I like that. There's so many layers to it. I know. I don't know if you guys encounter this issue. I've I've got a sort of bone to to pick with KFC. Do you guys order extra salt on your chips at KFC? Uh, Depends on the KFC that I go to. No, not at all. (laughs) Because there's one that literally puts no salt on the chips and I'm like, nah, it's got to have extra. That might be the same one I go to. No, I'm not in your state, so I, uh, I know. But I'm I'm just saying it's the like I I request extra salt on my chips regardless of kernel that I go see, and this one that's local to us, it seems like they they think that's the opposite, and they either cook a fresh batch of chips and put zero salt on them, or physically get there and like rub all the salt off them before they put it in the packet, like just to just to piss me off. And they, it happens. They pick every it up, they close it up, and they turn it upside down, and they start shaking it so that all the salt's yeah. just falling out of the um out of the box. <laughs> yeah, like maybe maybe they're just doing what's you know best for my health long term, but I want that salt. And even when I because I I convert my potato and gravy to a gravy. And nine out of ten times, they do not do said conversion as well. And by the like, stupid me, I never check the bag. I'm like, I'll trust you guys, you professionals. Get home, open it up. It's a potato and gravy, and you know, I usually swear or get frustrated for a minute and eat it begrudgingly. Yeah. But yeah, it happens all the time. No, my rule is is just don't fuck with the system. Just ask for the basics. You'll get the basics back because if you overcomplicate shit, you're gonna always be disappointed. My mm, outlook in life, really. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Just expect the minimum. If you get more, then that's awesome. If you get, you know, the same or less, then you're just like, eh. I, I think that sort of segues nicely into, I guess, what we're going to be covering off here on the uh, the APIC cast this, this week. Uh, what we thought we, we'd sort of bring to the table. Uh, we're going to be talking about things that we thought we'd be really good at and uh, irregardless or irrespective of the amount of times we attempted to try and be good at these things, we just simply sucked. So we will look at this from sort of our childhood into adulthood and then sort of maybe flip the script and think about things that we thought would be terrible at, but surprisingly, we're pretty good at. And so, um, yeah, I think that ties in nicely to these uh, KFC barons and their sort of lack of salt, <laughs> salt-shaking prowess. Uh, I thought it sort of moved nicely in there. So... Uh, yeah, Springfield Lakes KFC. Fuck you. Give me my salt. You owe me. And get my potato and gravy conversions right. Thank you. But um, before we jump into the show, so it might introduce ourselves. So uh, I am one of the co-hosts of today's show, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me today, I've got Trevor Scott, who is one half Hello. of the comedy game design podcast known as Bitstorm. You can find him at Trev H. Scott on the Twitters. Yep, and I'm barely on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've got a handle, so you exist. I exist. You're just out there working hard. You'll see me retweeting and liking things. That's about all I do. <laughs> Mate, that's all it's for. That's, uh, I think that's half of what Twitter's used for. I'm so, usually you know, lurking. That's a, that's a pass. 
And uh, speaking of lurkers, uh, Miss Ali Hart, you can find her at Miss Ali Hart, coming to us all the way from the US of A. How you doing? The most long distance lurker. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh way, way out yeah. in the distance. Because <laughs> long telescope. Yeah. Yeah. You are the equivalent of that like anime star where someone gets hit into the sky and you see this like glint because oh, the they're so far thing. away now. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is that is you. That's that is you like. in, in the universe these days. Mm. But yes, we are here. This is the 8-Bit cast where we are bringing together various personalities from the hashtag 8-Bit collective in a uh, bi-monthly fashion. It's a conversational-based podcast, and as I said, today we're going to be talking about things that we thought we were good at, but uh, sadly, we sucked. So, without further ado, maybe we can start with some childhood-based reflections. Uh, Trev, you are first-timer here on the 8-Bit Cast, so yes. I'm going to hand it over to you. Okay, The floor so is yours. When I was young, I used to love playing sport, but the one sport I loved more than anything else at probably age nine was basketball but i suck (laughs) (laughs) was it everything like the running the throwing um so i could run Mm -hmm. i could um bounce the ball if i ever went for for a shot at goal um that was that was where i just fell apart like (laughs) okay (laughs) the ball to hoop ratio i feel like i I feel like we're all going to have, like, some kind of, like, there's always that one, like, activity growing up that you just couldn't now. Like, for me, all the girls, all the girls could do the freaking splits. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, we could all cartwheel, we could, and all the girls with their flexibility did the splits. Now, I'm also going to point out that I actually did ballet. Like, I was like a full-fledged ballerina, you know, growing up. I couldn't do the splits. I could not do it. I could bend every which way, but I could not do the splits. And it was embarrassing. You'd, I'd go to competitions and, like, the girls are, like, going full splits and I'm doing these, like, dodgy half-knee, like, crab squats. taking a knee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah taking a knee. <laughs> so it's, it's embarrassing in the girl, like, social circles. So luckily the boys let me in on their game. So, you know, you're soccer and football. Where I couldn't kick That's straight. It. I could tackle. Yeah, like... Um... I, I, I like if we're sort of staying down that sport based vein. Um, I, I was good at sort of contact sports where you just throw your body at people because it doesn't take a huge amount of talent just to sort of do that. But things like soccer, like anything to do with my feet, I'm pretty rubbish at. Like, um, where I've got to sort of navigate two feet individually, like snowboarding and stuff like that, I'm surprisingly good at. But on skis, forget about it. Like, my feet just sort of V out and fork and do all kinds of things and I'm on my ass. Um, soccer though, yeah, absolutely rubbish. Basketball though, Trev, I was actually pretty good. I made it to state in basketball from when I was probably about eight up until about 16 or so. So, um, yeah, I could, uh, teach you a few things there if if needs be. (laughs) We were talking about maybe doing a shoot around at, um, at PAX this year, having like a little casual sort of little tourney or game, uh, down in Melbourne this year. So maybe we can, uh, show you the ways then. I'm pretty sure you've seen... At um at King of Packs, which is a a event that the AGP um, usually puts on, um I'm usually one of the lowest scorers in the basketball shooting um competition. So can confirm. Can confirm so much though. It's the, yeah. it, but that's not even legit, is it? Like the way that that hoop is, like in the arcade variation of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's still it's a hoop. It's a little bit lower. You should still I should still be able to you know shoot a basketball into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's very much even on like in main basketball. I think it's once you get into that rhythm, 
and, and you find your, your shooting stroke as they say out in the streets um it's it's pretty good and same as with that like the arcade base one once you work out that that rhythm with sort of picking up the ball shooting grabbing and all in that one motion you start to sort of turn into larry bird but outside of that it's it's tough sledding if you can't find that rhythm can't find your footing i mean yeah. the major difference is is like the, like i didn't really play basketball too much but you know we had volleyball was it volleyball yeah volleyball that is a sport the one with the girls in the bibs and the short skirts that's that's netball netball Volleyball's got the net in the middle. Okay. Funnily enough, yeah, netball does not have the net in the middle. <laughs> yeah. But volleyball does. <laughs> I think that's why I always got that confused. Either way, tiny skirts, big girls, bibs. That game was a pain in my ass because they, they it was strategic and tall ass girls would be standing right above you where the hoop was. And like it's so it's different. You can't perceive where the net is and shoot when you've got tall ass mammoth of a woman sticking standing on top of you and then with their hand out so and there's no backboard so you can't sort of bounce it off anything you're just going to go straight yeah. for the net so um i've got a quick little aside story of my friend who was very very good at um at netball but it's in his adult times so i'm not sure whether i should really go into this yet but anyway um he's about six foot four he was playing in a mixed team and he was goal defense. He's got the longest mm. arms that you've ever seen. And all these girls that he was going up against who were all these all these <laughs> kick-ass goal shooters and all this sort of stuff, he'd just stand back, you know, the meter or whatever that he had to stand, but his mm. hand was so big that it was just over the top of their faces <laughs> sort of thing. And it's like they, they, could, they could never get a goal because... Um, he just sort of smack it away. <laughs> yeah, big old giganto just blocking out the sun. <laughs> it, it was hilarious because they're, they're all like look, trying to even see the see the net, and they couldn't even see the net. Just this big hand in front of the basketball, <laughs> That's in all front he of has the netball. It's just like replicated. Just get his arms straight and then bend his hand, so it just covers obscures the net completely. Yeah, it, That's hilarious. it was hilarious. Like what watching all these um, teams go up against up against him the the other um goal defense person was just like oh i i don't really have to do anything yeah they're just having a smoke off the side <laughs> there <laughs> having a breather oh man netball is a good game to play though like i i never thought i'd enjoy it like you hear of netball and you see just mostly as a kid you see the girls playing you're like oh, this is just some punsy sport but we had to play mixed netball through school for a while, and and it's fast. Like it as is. you said, Ali, it's this strategy and because you can't when you got the ball, you can't run. You can pivot off one foot, so it's really quick. Like it's it's almost like a faster basketball. So I I actually enjoyed playing that, and and weirdly, I actually made it to regionals for mixed <laughs> netball. <laughs> this, guy, this is about what we suck at, Brendan. <laughs> not not one upping us. I'm good at this. I- <laughs> I was state in basketball. I was state in netball. <laughs> I got my team to regional cricket because I got hit in the friggin' hip with the cricket ball. <laughs> so I sucked, but my team still the, got to the next the pity level. pass. Yeah. I got a massive bruise too. Yeah. Well, something that I do genuinely struggle with that I thought I actually would be okay with, but never seemed to sort of crack the code, I guess you could say, is is music. Mm. like um i like something that i wanted to wanted to sort of really get into sort of i didn't get into it sort of straight away as a kid but sort of early childhood i was interested but then sort of tried to play guitar and drums and stuff like that but like 
I was really, really bad and, and still am really, really bad to this day as far as trying to play guitar or drums or just have any sense of general rhythm, I guess you could say. <laughs> so yeah, like I was I was half okay playing the tin whistle, uh, which we were required to do at school, but I, I don't really count that as a true instrument. So uh, uh, the, those throwaway instruments that they give you at school when you're doing like classroom. I always mm-hmm. got the washboard, so that must have said something. It <laughs> <laughs> must have said something. Yeah, so so musically, I'm terrible. I'm exactly the same. This is one thing that I can actually say I'm rather good at because I'm in a heavy metal band. Mm-hmm. I play the bass. <laughs> um, that is a little bit adult, but still, um, you know, it's something that I'm actually reasonably good at. We're playing a gig next week on on Saturday night, and what what is this band? Called Eldritch Rites. It's a doom metal band, and we've been going since like 2012, and all original songs and nice, all occultish themes. And ah, okay. <laughs> I wanted to know what doom metal was because I knew a lot okay. of the different metals, but that's a new so, one for me. Think early Black Sabbath mm-hmm. with with the low tune guitars, the slowness, but the clean vocals, and that's pretty much uh, they're they're pretty much the godfathers of of doom metal. And it's all okay. all about like occultish sort of themes. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we a lot of our songs come from like um, I'm thinking the universe of Conan and all these other these other sort of things. There's lots of witches and. Have you got history. a song called Red Sonia? No, not yet. No, yet. we've got a song <laughs> called Man Beast that was based off yes. of one of the one of the. Um, one of the uh, Conan's enemies in the book, in the book series, I should say. Ah, uh, well, like, so I've hung around a lot of bands, actually metal bands, and so you'd always have the odd musician try to teach me any <laughs> of the musical instruments. Drums was fine, but um, I didn't like when it got too complicated. Guitar, I only learnt the beginning riff to Metallica's one, and um, I didn't appreciate the calluses. <laughs> on the fingers so i sucked at that and then when i was like really really young it was with girls it was piano it was learning piano my teacher literally said to me you do not have a musical bone in your body you should probably not come back next year went, all right <laughs> wow how, how old were you when she said that he said that and um oh, i think that. i was like nine or ten that's harsh that's, yeah, but that's imagine telling harsh. my parents that and saying, oh, I'm not going back next year. Why not? Because the teacher told me not to. My parents thought I was lying. Um, yeah. But they never double-checked and I never went back. So. <laughs> I only what wanted to learn. Teacher. I only so wanted now to you're learn, sticking like, to that lie. <laughs> well, <laughs> I kept trying. I just thought, oh, maybe piano wasn't my instrument. Maybe I'll keep trying. And no. Nope. Next thing, pan flute. All right. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> we can be the tin whistle duo or something like that. What, what, I, what I find funny is that I never went and had any lessons for the bass. I did for piano and I was all right at piano. Like I was, you know, I could read music and all that sort of stuff. I was a little bit slow, but I only did it for like a year or two. But then when I started on the bass, it was sort of like, eh, I'll just turn up at a friend's place. We started jamming and then all of a sudden, you know, we've written two songs and... I'm like, okay, this is my style then, <laughs> and just gradually learnt more and more and more by myself. So, so you kind of took to it like a duck to water, like you, that just picked up that bass and it just felt natural. And well, I could, I 
could barely play any songs that were by anyone else. It was pretty much I could play my own songs. And then as I as I kept on going, I started getting a little bit more intricate and and just adding more <laughs> unusual things that, that gave me my own style rather than emulating someone else's. Nice. So what you're telling me is just keep on picking up instruments. Yeah. Just literally. Oh, so <laughs> for those who have actually listened to Bitstorm, the, the song at the start of that is actually, that's me playing the bass on that. So... <laughs> Um, it's so good. It's it's one of the toughest podcast intros there is out there that I've ever come across. That's for sure. Like it just gets your head nodding straight away. <laughs> the the toes are tapping. You know, you get the horns up. Like it's it, it starts that show off on the right note. So that was my previous band. That was Cura Dust, and that was um, Ben was the vocalist. A good friend of mine, Rob, was the the guitarist, and we had a drum machine that uh, did the did the drums for that because. We parted ways with our drummer, Damn. unfortunately. It happens. Drummers are always a pain in the ass. No, nah, he's a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> Professionally, they're pains in the ass. <laughs> they always got the most kit to bring, though. I always feel bad for them. Yeah, um, it's it's actually kind of quite funny because the the original drummer is now like the producer slash mixer slash master for um, Eldritch Rights. So mm-hmm. it's sort of gone full circle. Still kept that friendship going and. Well, that's nice. That's nice. All right. Talking childhood more, is there any other any other sort of hobbies or interests that as a kid you just wanted to sort of master but sucked? Miss Hart, anything else come to mind for you? Uh, it's going to sound really bad, but video games. Yeah? I- <laughs> Listen to the Hungry Gamers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was... I just always noticed that I never finished a game. This is probably also due to having an older brother who would always like kind of like, oh, I'll do this part and then they just take over. But I just, at my adult stage now, I noticed that I was ne- I never finished this game. I never got to the end of that game. And I'm like, what happened? I just like, it got too hard and I didn't want to tr- like try. I didn't want to learn. I just like, I'm like, too hard. Next game, like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I never, ever, ever, like, and it was, it was, like, it was mostly the platformers as well, because I guess that's what was around that time, but, yeah, and it, the second it got too hard, and I just, like, nah, I'm shit, so I just never finished a game. Is there a game that you, you look back on now that you think, man, I really should have had a crack, or I've got the inkling to go back and try and finish it now in, in the adult stage? I did. It was called Another World. Um, hey, you loved that game. I, I loved that game when I was younger. It was a bit scary too, so that was another reason why. Because you know, when you're chicken shit, you don't want to really continue on anyway. But it was just a genuinely difficult game for me. So yeah, no, I did. I did actually eventually pick that up and finished it. It was great. It was such an yeah, achievement. I, that's one that I definitely finished. Except I knew that one as out of this world. Because I had a, I had like an American edition or something like oh. that, like because I had it on the PC. And the way that I got most of my PC games is some some kid in the in the playground had me a disc, and then I chucked it into into a into my PC and never actually bought any of the games. Um, I've sort of turned that around with my over one thousand game Steam library. <laughs> oh, yeah, and what like like me, it's like you know multiple hundreds of games. It's like played maybe 30 of them maybe damn steam sales uh damn humble bundles at the moment oh that's true yeah <laughs> humble bundles and humble monthly 
Mm. You just get inundated, don't you? Like, yeah. I've got that too. And I jump on there every few months and just see the key list. And it's like 50 new items are in there from the last 60 days. And you just go, holy shit, how am I ever going to do anything with any of this? So I just close it for another few months <laughs> and forget about it and go back in and get overwhelmed again. See a key that someone might want. Yeah. Are you worried though that that one month that you go, that's it, I'll jump off for a bit and then it's like, oh, the best game in the world is now part of the Humble Bundle. And you're like, fuck. Uh, I'm uh, like, and it's it's proven and all that with the sciences and what have you, like the vast majority of people, once you jump onto these monthly subscription-based things like a Netflix or a Humble Bundle, you don't even if you're off. not using the service, yeah, you don't, you don't cut that off um so i'm gonna have humble bundle till i'm 75 I think. yeah um i've got i've got the uh the viveport subscription at the moment for viveport infinity or whatever and i barely use it because i've got so many other vr games to play at the moment but i still yeah. am paying for the like 12 dollars a month for the subscription yeah but the funny tough. thing is that's where i get angry birds vr so my son can play that oh yeah <laughs> so and you know what 12 dollars a month for you know your, your little man to be satisfied and enjoy his time, I think that more than makes up for it. Yeah, the fact that I've probably paid more than what <laughs> than what you know the game was actually yeah. worth. Then. You've bought sixty five copies worth of Angry Birds so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to video games in my youth, I never actually finished Super Mario Brothers two, or Super okay. Mario Brothers three. Oh damn! Or Super Mario World. Wow, okay. So three of the tent poles of sort of the old traditional platformers, especially three. I think three. In three fact, is I'm trying to think. The, the I don't think I've finished any Mario's other than the first one and Odyssey. I think they're, they're the two that I sort of finished. So you finished the Super latest Mario one Brothers and the and, first and one. And the first one. <laughs> and then just this, you know, 25 year gap between. <laughs> is the storyline consistent? How would you know? <laughs> Does does he get Peach? You'll never know. He always gets Peach. Um, I mean, I I love playing them, but it's a lot of the time it just doesn't hold my hold my interest long enough. And there's too many other games out there to try. Most Zelda's I've finished. I say most because there's a couple out there that I've started and never finished. So yeah, I'm pretty much in the same in the same court as, as you Ali I just I start a game and then just don't finish it you've just made me realize that I never got over this because yeah I also don't finish games now <laughs> so I never got over this <laughs> Is it brought I all that trauma it? back yeah like, I mean oh, no. I, I love video games but there's just there's so much choice out there that quite often I won't finish a game I'll start it and go yeah I got enough enjoyment out of that and on to the next thing I don't understand how people sometimes can go through with it. Like, uh, I'm I'm of those some people. Mm. Uh, unless the game, like, unless I hate it, like, I'll usually give a game, say, three to four hours to to decide if I'm going to keep pushing on or if this game's you know needs to be scrubbed from my mental archives. But for the vast majority of games that I'll jump onto, I'll I'll play them through to the end. Um, obviously, some don't execute the the ending as good as others but yeah I, th- I think it's just a ocd thing i have with that type of stuff where i'm I'm all in when it comes to those types of mediums whether it be even like a, a bad movie like i'll i'll write out a movie like usually you know within the first 20 minutes or so if this movie is going to be worth your time but even if it is like on netflix or 
something I've downloaded or whatever else, I'll usually write it out to the end just to see if maybe my hopes get elevated or, you know, it does come good somewhere along the line. And most of the time it doesn't, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just very much in for a penny, in for a pound with these types of things. So, mm. yeah. I, I think um, one game that I've played probably the most of but have never finished it is Skyrim. <laughs> like, Oh, wow. I, I've... I played something like 50 hours on the original v- vanilla version. Then I played another 30 hours on the on the special edition. And I've played like 35 hours on the VR edition. And I still haven't finished the game. No, I haven't <laughs> yeah. finished Skyrim either. I'm just th- I was just li- literally thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, I, I will play it on... I think I played it on Xbox. I think I played it on PlayStation. And then I've now got it on my Switch. But I've never finished it. Mm. Uh, I don't think you have to with that game. I've played so much on the PC, but that's all I've played it on. Like, <laughs> I, I love PC. It's just, I start a new character and then, like, oh, yeah, I remember this this mission. Okay, yeah. well, I'll stop about here now. But I, th- I think you've gotten your money's worth, like, even though you haven't experienced the, the mainline story ending, you've experienced just about everything else, else there is to do in Skyrim. Like, there's so many offshoots and side quests and areas to explore that you still oh, get, yeah. I yeah. think, a complete a complete feeling of, of what's going on in that world. And I'm, yeah. and I'm still playing the VR edition. It's it's amazing. Oh, my mm. God. I need to try yeah, it. It's, it's done right. It's really well executed. <laughs> Whoever ported onto VR, I can't remember if it was done directly through. No, it's Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah. It was Bethesda that did that. They didn't engage with anyone third party. Like it was, It's really smooth. Yeah, it's buttery they, um, smooth. They really wanted to you know, capitalize on that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, it is on every device in the entire world these days Can't on Skyrim. So, well, what what I found really funny is you know they they went uh, exclusive to the PlayStation VR first for like six months, and then they finally ported it over to to Steam VR and Oculus. But um, if you remember, Bethesda and their owner Zenimax really didn't like Oculus at that time. So the mm. fact that they even ported it over to Oculus is is actually quite interesting that they supported because they I were still in love, the courts. love a quest port because wireless VR is so good. So I, I don't know if it's it's going to have enough sort of processing power to handle a game of that magnitude or that scope, but mm-hmm. I don't see why they couldn't because the PSVR is not massively powered. Obviously, the, the PlayStation itself is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but as far as the graphics and things, I think there's a chance. I'd love to see it on the quest. So uh, Bethesda, if you're listening, Please make it so. <laughs> All of a sudden, you you see on the um on the Patreon list, Todd Howard. Oh my god, <laughs> my man! <laughs> There's Jared. Jared Howard's one of our um one of our patrons, so maybe he is a cousin. Who knows? Let us know. Might have to ask him. Might have to reach out to Jared after this. But um, yes, yeah, sort of. I guess this next one for me lends itself both to childhood and adulthood and one thing that i am eternally terrible with is being patient with technology like if <laughs> if things aren't working within my predetermined time frame i will get very frustrated or if i'm you know teaching my mum how to do something on a smartphone or i put my mum in the oculus quest the other week and just her not being able to grasp it within the time frame I thought was adequate, you know, my blood's starting to boil. I'm getting shorter with my sentences. I'm stepping it through things. And I've always been like that since I was a kid. 
Like I remember being 10 years old or whatever and setting up the SNES and trying to tune it in via little RF adapters or setting up the DVD players or doing all these types of things and having no patience for anybody that doesn't understand the level that I have of that technology at that point in time and that's how it's always been i can totally confirm when we had the mutual studio and like brendan's in there trying to figure out why something isn't working is oh my god first it's like a a, like visualize a dark cloud like he's quiet he's thinking he's figuring it out but there's this dark cloud of like silence and you know not to talk to him then he starts vocalizing how wrong and how fucked up everything is. And you try to help, but it's best not to. <laughs> like, let him figure it out. So you'd go to total dad mode, so which I know how to handle. No patience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's 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 how it's been since I could walk pretty much. Like, yeah, I'm very technologically stubborn and impatient and i don't think that's ever going to change i I just assume everyone should understand or have that same grasp and it's it's probably very wrong of me to have that impression and opinion Mm. but i can't help it especially now i feel like people should start like really maybe dipping their toes in with technology or get a better (laughs) understanding like at least you're amongst it like the worst is like you say like our parents and everything who just are just like oh technology is terrible and then you just Mm -hmm. go well if it's so terrible how about you ditch the uh ditch the dishwasher and the clothes washer and everything and go back to the old oh washboard yeah back to music yeah full circle full circle so you've actually reminded me brendan that like kids today will never know the struggle of having to tune the TV into <laughs> the channel that your Ness is on. Like, oh, yeah. That, that was a horrible experience. Yeah, like, but it was just normal for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, Standard. oh, okay, you, you plug it in through the aerial and then you, you, know, you find your channel. It says channel three. Okay, let's just tune that up and yeah. find the best Sit- picture. Sitting there with the dials. I remember as a kid, um, my younger sister actually broke the tune dial. Oh no. oh, no. And I can't remember why the, the SNES or what have you wasn't tuned in at the time, but I couldn't play games for like two weeks or so. And it's probably <gasps> one of those times when I hated my sister the most in my entire life. Like <laughs> all I wanted to do was go in and play the, the Mario All-Stars pack. Or um, I think I even had like a game called like Donald Duck in Maui Mallard where Donald Duck was like this ninja dude running around Hawaii kicking ass and I really, really, really wanted to play it and I couldn't for that two weeks and it felt like two decades worth of waiting and like we'd be at the dinner table and you know my sister's three years younger than me and I was probably like eight or nine at the time so she was like five and she'd say stuff at the table and I'd just sort of shoot daggers at her and like swear at her and just just be a real dick for those few weeks but TV got fixed, you know, my old man put a new dial in there and happy days but those two weeks it was tough sledding, I'll tell you. So what type of TV did you have back then? Oh, it was it was a piece of shit. Um, you know, growing up in the country, you know, we we weren't flush with the cash, so it was like had like the fake wood grain panel lino covers around the framing of this thing. Oh, yeah. I remember it had the dual dials on the side. I can't remember the brand of it though. I cannot remember the brand. It was probably like home brand equivalent. One would yeah. say like it certainly wasn't a Sony or anything like. At, at one stage, we had one of the. Uh, Toshiba black stripe ones, which is Ooh. like they they were like the quintessential, um, you know, dual dial sort of sort of TVs. Yeah, we um we had one of the 
early, early, early VCRs that actually had um, a wired remote. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fantastic. Like, mum and dad were, were always early on the technology. I remember in 1984, we had a CD player. Oh, and wow. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. You know, it's like one of the first CD players that ever came out and... How many crazy. CDs were, did you have in your collection back then, too? I doubt there'd be that many in production. Um, I think there were about two. I said <laughs> 1984, but I'm starting to think, no, it was around 1986, 1987. But still, there wasn't much that mum and dad had. But the way that mum told, told me about what a CD was, I thought that there was a video component to it. So I said I said to mum when, when she first got it, it's like, okay, now turn on the TV. And it's like, no, 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 we're, we're just... We're going to listen to this. I'm like, no, but I want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Expecting to be some sort of video component to it. This um, hologram just beams from the from the player. I, I got very <laughs> disappointed very quickly with CDs. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel sure. I totally I understand, though, the whole aspect of, like, patience with teaching your parents technology. Like, but for me, like I said, it's that whole stubborn thing. Like, you're trying to teach them. They, they want to know. They yell at you like oh why isn't this working and you're like well see here this is why ah oh, mm-hmm. it's broken ah oh, it's stupid ah oh, it's like all right fine screw you yeah it's tough and it's and obviously the older your friends and family become the more inept they seem to be with technology so it's this this sort of vicious cycle that never never improves probably uh-uh. never worsens it's just the same things you seem to re- be relaying over and over with each new model of that said technology <laughs> Yeah, but you look like a genius. <laughs> I, I I quite often turn up at my parents' place, and Mum's installed the newest um the newest technology that her and Dad have bought, and it's it's usually like, oh yeah, we bought these new iPads, and I bought the new Apple TV 4K, and I installed it all myself. And I'm like, oh okay, I'm not no, needed here anymore. Still on board. That's amazing. Oh, I'm so Good jealous. Honor. I'm honestly jealous because you don't have to be like you're not you know tech they don't call you mum like. still calls up and asks for you know tech support every now and again but it's mm-hmm. it's usually when she's ringing up i'm like oh god what the hell am i gonna yeah. be walking into because this is gonna be hell yeah she's <laughs> she's down one deep rabbit hole by then yeah i mean they they set up um all the all their own like sound system and all that sort of stuff like they got all the 5.1 surround sound all wired up by themselves and i'm like okay i've really not needed here and i might have to get their number to give to my mother um, <laughs> they can run remote tech support for her moving forward by the sounds of things oh my grandfather is is even even more technologically savvy what? in the early what? in the early 80s he worked for ibm so he he was on board with the um with the computers and he moved into a retirement village a, a little while ago He's now like their their entertainment coordinator, and he's the one that that asked my advice as to should I go Apple TV or should I just stick with the Foxtel? Good on wow. him. Got, got the full projector happening, and yeah, um, does DJ sets and light shows on the weekends in there. And... <laughs> <laughs> what a legend! What a legend! So I guess sort of moving into more of these adult hobbies and interests that we we never seem to have much success at. Trev, what's what's one of the first things that come to mind for you? So one that bridges from children into into um, parents is, oh, ch- children into adult, I should say, um, is first handwriting, that then okay. 
Um, because you know how in grade four you have like your pen license that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I was the last term. Like Aww. it took me all year to actually get my pen license. And even then, I think it was a pity, it was a pity pen license. <laughs> <laughs> Participation award pen license. Because um, even though you wouldn't think, oh, yeah, handwriting is, is one thing, I'm just horrible at it. Like, um, if I, if I want to write something that's actually legible, it has to be very slow. One of the things I want to actually be able to do is um, handwrite a lot neater because I want to become an adjudicator for, for something that, I, that I'll talk about very soon. Ooh. Exciting. Yeah. Okay. So, but in order to do that, it's all got to be handwritten. And yeah, so I need to do a lot of practice on my handwriting because it needs to A, be legible and B, not be an embarrassment. <laughs> Yeah, my my dad had this chicken scratch handwriting that very few in the modern world could decipher. Like you look at it and, and it looks like this old like primeval caveman wall scratch text sort of stuff. But there was words in there and over over time I could understand what he was writing. But I think the only people that could sort of actually decipher it were my mum, his two bosses and then like the operations lady that he worked with in his most recent job. And outside of that, it's pretty much just look at it and go, is this like an animal sort of just, you know, sharpening its claws on these bits of paper? <laughs> so I understand what you're talking about because it, it can be hard. It can be hard to work out what is going on. It's crummy too, because the expectation is meant to be, was it running writing? Like eventually yeah. everyone just learns to do running writing and that's the expected way to like write words. Some mm-hmm. point, I saw that the easiest way is, and the way I write is every every letter is a capital, capital, mm-hmm. capital, capital. Um, <laughs> making up words now, um, but it's all capitals, and it's just it's thick and like it's just it looks like boys' handwriting. Really, it's been referred to as boys' handwriting. It's legible, but yeah, the the girly like running writing stuff. I never was able to nail it, so I just went straight to the easiest. Do you guys remember using slope cards? Did you have them in school as well where it was like a card that had angled lines sort of going like this in a a parallel so you could sort of start doing doing the running writing on an angle? Did you guys have those? No. Oh. Um, Is that a country country thing? thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I I think it was just for you, Brendan, or it's all in your head. (laughs) No, no, I remember them because they were like these sort of pale yellow color and you put them behind your standard uh, lined notebook and you'd have to go in there and you'd be writing your letters in running writing or cursive or whatever and they'd have to angle like this like yeah they've they've got lines like this yeah you're right onto but these lines went sort of against that like on a vertical angle like that so Um, for our listening audience that are not looking at your camera right now (laughs) what angle are you talking about (laughs) it'd be like okay so we're looking at when we're writing it's on a horizontal plane three horizontal lines yeah this would be if we're looking from a straight up angle which would be 90 degrees off that horizontal plane it would be maybe 50 55 degrees something like that i'd imagine yeah 55 would be so much more than that because you know there's only 45 in between the the two 90s i reckon it's about 15 degrees oh that's say 70 sorry i just remembered something that i was shit at as a child i was really bad at math and i still am (laughs) i just want to throw that out there i was i sucked i sucked at math and i still suck at math and i i will never get good at math so that's all right 
just wanted to throw that out there since it was uh, since we were talking about something along those lines. So yeah, about fifteen degrees off the vertical axis is what he what he was sort of talking about. Yeah, that's that's more in line. I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I want to know now if other people use these slope cards. Yeah, I hit us up on Twitter if if you use slope cards. (laughs) At we are eight bit. Got one still. I'm going to mm. probably have to Google that one because that's pretty funny, actually. Hashtag slope card. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... In this climate, mate, that's a bit dicey. <laughs> it's an angled angled writing apparatus now or something. Angled writing. Hashtag angled writing apparatus. Get that trending, guys. Um, in, in the adulthood sort of suckages from, from my perspective... Um, and and it, I guess it's loosely followed in from from childhood as well as being punctual. I'm I'm good, say eighty percent of the time as far as being on time or being early. But there is a a good chunk there where I'll either be bang on the time I need to get to a place or late. So time management, um, getting to events and commitments and things is something that I'm still not the best at. I wouldn't know anything about that, Brendan. <laughs> I am extremely punctual, so I will never... That was ingrained in my parents, though. Like, they were always so strict about being ready. So I think that's just translated really well into my adulthood. And so I don't understand it, to be honest. If you know the time, if you know the fucking place, and you have a good perception of traffic or anything like that, how are you no, late? I'm, I'm very much like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this, this time is the last minute I need to be at the door by to, to make it by then. So I'll be fluffing around and doing whatever else or watching telly or playing games or, you know, just out of the shower and not getting dressed or whatever else. Like, there's always something to distract me. Um, so I'm very much on the knife's edge as far as leaving for commitments. So yeah, that's something I know I actively need to try and get better at and I have over the years, but yeah. Just like whatever, say, whatever the time is, like cut like 10 minutes and then, you know, aim for that time, like earlier. Yeah. yeah. I got to say, you were extremely punctual this morning, given that I I was literally like, <laughs> oh, I reckon it'll be a couple of minutes late. It was like bang on 8.30 and I get a, I get a message, hangouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm getting better. I'm, I'm working on it. But um, that's from the opposite of what you said, Ali, is... My parents were late to everything. My dad especially, oh. like, he'd be like, oh, I'm running 10 minutes late and you seem like an hour and a half later type of thing. Um, so I'm not as bad as him, but <laughs> I certainly get it from from my parents, that's for sure. See, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I wish what I you, got Trev? from my parents? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you go. I was just going to say one thing that, and it's just everyone that I really suck at is... um. My mom loves reading books. Like, she has a massive book collection. I've never understood the ability to sit down and read and finish a book. That I just. What? Yeah. Never? Never. And as an adult, I feel like I should do that now. Like, that should just be a thing. (laughs) Mm. I love reading books. I love reading books. Really? Don't you get bored? (laughs) No. If it's a good book, it's, uh, it's almost, to be honest, like, reading a good book is probably better than watching a movie. I think what? when when you find that level of engrossment and yep. the book's got its hooks sunk into you. When you can't put it down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. my God. I think I've only read like three books in my life. 
Mm. Hustler, penthouse, (laughs) playboy. (laughs) I do it for the articles. Um, (laughs) No, I've never been able to understand, like, the whole thing about, like, for starters, going out and actively looking for a book. And I think the only time where I've gone to find a book was something um, about Anthony Bourdain. I think it was his first book. Mm-hmm. I don't no, I didn't finish it. Sorry. No, I didn't finish it. <laughs> I didn't finish that. There's one. a there's a theme here. <laughs> I don't finish things. Yeah. I get bored. Oh, patience. Hmm. <laughs> I I might be punctual. I just won't finish. Ooh. Next. See, you're Anyone punctual because you get bored of being at home doing whatever you're doing, so you're like, yeah, I better go to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. No. Yeah. Okay. So I am weird. So, feeding into my previous thing of handwriting, something I have tried doing many times and I just have never been able to actually finish and therefore I reckon I suck at at it, is writing fictional uh, fictional stories. Like, I just can't get enough words out of my head to to actually, you know, put down what what I want to actually say. Like, I'm even struggling right now as to... (laughs) 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 <laughs> I could understand that. Like, um, personally, I love creative writing. I don't know why I hate reading books. So that's that's just a contradiction in itself. Like, I love creating writing, but like the whole sitting down and actually getting it done. Yeah, I see a theme about myself. I'm gonna have to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be walking out, and you'll be walking in. <laughs> Just high five on the way out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for for those people who have actually listened to my podcast, Bitstorm, you'd know that I love spinning a spinning a story and I've got all these different sort of stories that I, I love coming up with as, as part of like narratives for games. I'd love to take some of those stories and actually flesh them out into a larger world. But mm. as soon as I sit down to go, okay, what, what were we talking about? It's like, nah, I got nothing. Like, so, so it's it's very much you excel sort of off the cuff and sort of that freestyle, but when you get into a more structured environment is where it sort of jams up a little bit. Yeah, but even then, like I, I struggle like getting out more more than a couple of words at a time before I actually start stopping and, and thinking about what I what I need to do. You mm. don't hear a lot of that on the podcast. I mean, you you know, Brendan, you've been you've been there. I I'm very <laughs> slow, but in the edit, I'm very 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 you know snappy um because i edit out all those pauses and you know edit out all those stuttering <laughs> all that stuttering that i do it's um, because you care about the audience's time yes i do that's why our first edit i spent 14 hours <laughs> editing holy moly <laughs> it's i'm now down to about two hours so it's okay yeah it, it's tough it's tough editing like depending on how meticulous you want to be with it and how free you are going to be with the ums and the ahs and the slight pauses it can be a very 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 tough slog what's what's your edit now like i i was a bit freer back in our early days where if i knew there was some major things i needed to to tweak or add something to i'd I'd hit those and then just do you know plug the intro in plug the outro in and other sound bites we needed to weave in as well but now i'm in a habit of i'll listen to the whole episode from front to back again just to see how it's flowing. I don't really cut any conversation out ever, but just if there is a little bit of a larger pause or a slight overlap, I'll, I'll cut that sort of overlap between discussions off just so it flows a bit cleaner. Um, so it's probably a two-hour cycle for me now as well. 
Yeah, we both Ben and I edit. We we share the editing duties between us because um, we find it um, so so annoying to actually have our entire weekend sort of taken up with. Okay, got to fi- got to find space to actually edit. So we we share the editing responsibilities. We edit at around two speed, so we actually oh nice chuck, chuck the speed right up and do all our all our processing at the start, trying to get it as clean as possible. Do a single run through each, and then ta- tack on the the music and stuff at the st- at the start and end, and put it out like. There's been not really an episode that has gone out without or with any major major issues. I think there was one that I actually actually cut out a whole section of conversation that I didn't realize, and Ben picked it up before anyone else had listened to it, so <laughs> that was okay. Um, because we've had guests on our podcast and and we're very inclusive, you know, and very progressive in in our thoughts. There's been a couple of couple of games that we've actually had that we've we've cut because of content. Yep. Um, it didn't quite fit or, I mean, we, we try to do internal editing anyway, that we'll try to push it in a different direction because, you know, we want this to be inclusive for, for everyone and all walks of life. Um, we, we got told early on our original name for the podcast was lame storming. And then we got told that lame was an ableist term. So what do we do? The very next, in fact, that episode that we got told it on, we changed the name. We, we were close to actually pausing the podcast for a week because we didn't still didn't have a name when we actually put it together but wow. we very quickly changed it over and and then we became bitstorm it's good to see it's good to see that you guys are agile like that and open to change and and because i guess it, it can be hard like i guess this is off topic but it, it can be hard when this is sort of this baby that that you are creating and, and nurturing in this podcast space and and hearing criticisms good bad or the other and, and making those changes. Like, I think a lot of people are very set and up. This is our show. This is how it's going to be. Yep. Love it or leave it type of mentality. But being oh. able to be flexible and, and hear those concerns and, and change accordingly, I think that's that's a testament to you guys. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and and it's one of, those, one of those things that you actually look back and it's only the first 13 episodes mm. um, that, that were actually lamestorming. And then we changed over very quickly to Bitstorm. Re, like Ben had to redesign all the logos and stuff, like because oh, he'd done no. all, all the stuff in in Blender and had put it all together. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to change this. And I think it was like the first five episodes have different music. It's got a, a much earlier song by Kuradust that we then changed over to the um changed over to the Mount Defiance that we use now. It's it's all about branding, though. Hundred <clears throat> percent, and that's one thing. I think that sort of segues nicely. I I kind of suck at being content with uh. with branding and things yep. like that. Um, that that is certainly something in my in my later years that I am not too great at. I'm always thinking, okay, what what else needs to change? What can we improve upon? Where's the special secret sauce here? Like, have we got it? Have we perfected it now? Do we bottle it and, and send it out to the audience, or do we change things? Do we need to refine the scope? Do we need to refine the design? Da, 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 da. So that's something that I still struggle with in these years: is as being content with with things that you're putting out there into the world. Mm, no, and I think that's perfectly normal. Like one of my things that like like as an adult that I still can't comprehend is just in basic interaction with people now because 
like through life you, you you know you have certain interactions and one of the things that I guess I've never been able to comprehend was like a person will ask you something and I'll say be honest and so I've had times where you know I've actually been bluntly honest because I feel like this person's asking me for their like honest feedback and I've given it to them and they have been heartbroken offended or just like I didn't tell them what they wanted to hear so I'm still in this scope of mind where I feel like honesty is key, but I now don't know with interacting with people, do you give them honesty? Like, do you, do you white lie it a bit? And then I overthink things too much now. And so I usually just avoid conversations altogether because <laughs> I don't know what people want anymore. <laughs> so they I think, don't know what they want yeah, either. They don't That's know what they the want problem. either. So... Yeah, I think it's perfectly normal, especially in this climate. No, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, that's that's one thing. I like social interactions, and I like being, um, you know, banter and chatting and things like that. But at the same time, I love, 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 love isolation, being left alone, talking to nobody. <laughs> like, I used to have this thing back in a former life where it was just isolation Sundays, where. You know, you, you call me, you message me, there's a high chance I'm going to screen it. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm not going to leave my house. I'm just having this day to play games, to watch movies, to do whatever. Like, I don't want to know anybody today. Leave me alone. I don't like you for this 24-hour period. Like, wow. <laughs> like, and it was like that. But then um, on the other end of it, like my job is, is I talk to people all day. I'm interacting mm. back and forth, selling, designing things. So I can probably understand where both of those areas are rooted, where it is you're constantly on 24-7 with, with work and then podcasting and maintaining those levels of energy. The last thing you want to do when you get home is continue down that path. Like you need that time to turn off and, you know, hide in that isolation Sunday as it used to be. So, yeah, it's it's tough. The whole people people aspect, like I think we, we grow and learn a lot from those interactions, but at the same time, it's like, you want those interactions almost to come in your own time as well. You don't want to have mm. to rock up to appointments and schedules and have to be on and have these well thought out conversations and things. So I don't know. That's And the other thing is, is that I guess also because we're on this massive scope now, especially with the internet and the way we can easily communicate with each other is just like, like I said, like overthinking of exactly what kind of interaction you're having with the person and you can't read people when you're interacting with them online. So you overthink did I say too much was I was that offensive did I you know <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. the interaction level starts cutting down because you just don't want to well, for some people the interaction level cuts down because you don't <laughs> want to offend people you know you don't want to say the wrong thing you know so yeah you put those self filters on mm-hmm. that's exactly right self filter mm. yeah when mine's on mute what about you Trev what do you got I think that I'm sort of at my level of of what I want to talk about that I sucked at because the the other things that I'm that I'm sort of going into is like yeah I I don't think I'm going to talk about those sort of things I wouldn't mind talking about some things that I thought I was going to suck at and yeah. it turns out that I was kind of good at yeah. can um, I take a guess is one of them making love <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's one of the things I didn't want to talk about okay uh. <laughs> um no Jokes, just jokes. Um, I thought I was going to suck at um, something that my wife and I started doing for for our wedding, uh, in preparation for our wedding, was learning to dance. Um, 
so we started ballroom dancing about 11 odd years ago and I thought, oh my God, I'm just going to, I'm going to so suck at this. And it turns out that I, I actually had sort of like a, a natural, because of my, my musical ability, I had rhythm and it turns out that I was reasonably good at dancing. Within a year of, of doing ballroom dancing, I got asked to become amateur staff with the, with the um, oh, studio that wow. we were with. Then I became a teacher and now I've been there for coming up on 11 years and am <laughs> working towards becoming an adjudicator. Um, Holy crap. So that that's what fantastic. I need my handwriting for. <laughs> oh my God. So, and that's like one of the more really complex because it's it's with a partner. It's with a partner. It's um, it's definitely like a little bit different, like in the way that you got to you got to approach it because it's very physical. But mm-hmm. it goes back to I did martial arts as a kid, and it's just an extension of that. Like you're using your feet, your arms, and body all at the same time. You just mm. need to. Well, like. I have a dancing background, but mine's strictly like solo, like yep. no no partner work at all. So I know that I se- I reckon the second that I get thrown into that world, I would get furious because that <laughs> means I'd have to coordinate with someone else, and it was like a you know joint effort. So I definitely don't think I could have done it. So, but the fact eleven years, you said, yeah, wow, yeah. Do you ever and like throw fantastic. in some doom metal into? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I keep I keep the metal and the and the dancing world sort of separate. It's, I love that double life stuff. Oh, it's kind of like a triple life because I keep all of that separate from the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> just everything siloed. Uh, mm, what about you, Miss Hart? Um, I don't know. Like, I guess all of us always want to like learn languages. Um, and although just. <laughs> As we found out in this podcast, I've never actually completely fluently learned a language, but every language that I've <laughs> taken on board, I've actually done relatively well at replicating and like actually being able to pronounce words and, you know, enunciate the letters and everything pretty well. So, um, but, but learning- then you gave up about, um, about, you know, halfway through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I got bored. Yeah. No. There's yeah, so, so many I, languages out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I've dabbled in Japanese, French, German, and now Spanish. So, <laughs> so I know mostly swear words in most languages or basic sentences. So the essentials. Um, yeah. The, the essential stuff. Yeah. Swearing in other languages. Yeah. So that was definitely something. Um, yeah. I, didn't think I'd be too great at. I think like everyone, you know, can say what the basics are. Like, you know, when you, someone learns Japanese, they're like konnichiwa or, you know, gracias. But like actually <laughs> enunciating the words and everything like that. So, yeah, that was uh, that was something that actually surprised me. I don't know if it's like a like a replicating kind of like parody kind of thing. Like you hear it and I'm able to replicate it because. I guess I can also do that with like cartoon voices as well. So no, I I can understand like the language thing. I can loosely relate to like it's something that I've always wanted to further pursue as well, but have almost taken the heart path where I dive in for a second, then get bored and go do something else. So mm. um, like going through school, had to learn in like I don't know why like people learn all these mainline languages through school, and here I am back in Kuma and the language they tried to teach us with Indonesian. I'm like, how is this relevant? How is this going to help me out in the greater world? So, (laughs) so I can still remember a good amount of Indonesian 
but I've dipped a toe on Japanese as well, dipped a toe on German from a previous life with the company I worked for, um, uh, French as well. And it's something that mm. I want to get back into more because I'd love to learn languages or, or have, you know, have a secondary or a third language in the back of my mind, knowing that I could jump in and out if we were traveling and things like that. I like, I like the idea of being comfortable in, in foreign language countries. So yeah, it's, it's not something that I was surprised I was good at. Like I, I didn't think I'd be too great, but it certainly, certainly took hold. I guess the thing, and this sort of goes full circle from when I was a kid, when I was really young, I, I was pretty quiet and, and sort of pretty introverted and things like that growing up out in the country and what have you. But the one thing that sort of surprised me over the years is my ability to, to sort of freestyle and bullshit my way through things. I know that's a very... It's <laughs> actually useful. Yeah, I know it's a very sort of broad statement that, but being able to know just enough about a topic, whether it be work-related, you know, at home, something in the news, to be able to carry a conversation or, you know, be able to weave my way around a conversation or interaction with somebody. And um, it's it's really beneficial with work, obviously, but... um podcasting and things like that i think certainly help and help refine that science over the years as well where it is very much off the cuff unstructured discussion back and forth being able to generate meaningful discussion i think is something that if we're trying to broaden down that bullshit and freestyle talk i think is is something that surprised me over the years being able to to structure a a meeting or engagement in a way to to have both parties get something out of it or even in this case hopefully the wider audience gets something out of said conversations as well so that's something that comes to mind for me sadly i don't have a a great dancing story like i've got no rhythm like you know they they say they say what is it like you've got two left feet like i've got two left hands as feet like that's how bad i am on the dance floor like i got no moves like i think i i got the moves when i'm playing like games in vr and rhythm games but like looking outside of my body at myself again it would be it would be a very very bad scene for everybody involved i still want to see you doing beat saber moves on a like open dance floor like in public i just want to see what that <laughs> looks like just I, chopping I the get, air i'd get too embarrassed like if i had a few beers in me yeah but like i get really embarrassed with stuff like that um especially mm. dancing for some reason it's i don't know if i just had this weird childhood nightmare at a social where i tried to dance in front of a girl and she shut me down and it's just scarred me for life or what have you but like yeah dancing and stuff like that in public spaces like if we were at an hey. arcade and we're like let's play ddr i'd be like no mate i'm good i'm no, good that, that's fine hey like i said i've got seven and a half years of classical ballet and other variations of dance but i, st I won't dance in public no freaking way no way I, I may have eleven years of ballroom, and because I don't have a partner on the dance floor, I'm not going to. I'm not going yeah. to be seen, you know, dancing, dancing to like club tracks or anything like that. Because, I mean, really, people don't want to see the stuff that you do in ballroom on the dance floor. Um, I don't know, there's a whole show about it now. Yeah, but it, it's it's that sort of thing that um, could you could you imagine? Okay, we're going to put this song on. Okay, well, I'm going to waltz to this, and it's like. <laughs> You're traveling around the floor. It's just, it doesn't quite work. <laughs> and you're also doing like the single partner thing. So you got your hand on your chest and you're like doing like the moves. <laughs> so like a drunken sway. Yeah. <laughs> going on. I know yeah, I'm selling it very, very short there. So uh, 
certainly no offense was intended by that, but just that's how I picture myself on the dance floor most times, just sort of drunkenly swaying left to right, left to right, maybe crying a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've seen anyone in our collective group dance, but the only person, like the only group that I've seen was a few people trying out Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll have to find a video that I can post to this um, to this chat. And and you'll you'll be able to see me. I want to see all the grace of Trevor tearing up the the ballroom dance floor. Yep. Do you wear like the the suit with sort of the the tails on the? Uh, back yeah, of the I don't have a set of those yet. Um, they're very expensive. You're talking I about imagine. two and a half grand. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, more more than some people's wedding dresses. Um, My goodness. <laughs> at least you get to wear it more than once. Uh, so that's true. One thing, one thing that I that I was surprisingly good at is procrastination. Um, Perfect <laughs> 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 um, battle. Yeah, basically, when when Ben uh, Ben was living in in Canada for quite a while, and we talked about, oh yeah, we're going to start a podcast, and we procrastinated on it for so long, and then he got back back to town and was like, okay, now we can start that podcast, and we procrastinated on it. For another nine months, <laughs> and then one day we 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 got to talking. And we're like, "Yeah, I reckon we should actually start that podcast." And that night we started a podcast. Nice. And we had horrible audio. Um, the podcast was called Two Sweary Dads," and then we we got to about episode two or three, and we're like, "Yeah, so I had this idea that we're go- we're gonna like get a random word generator and come up with some game ideas." <laughs> Like, uh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we we kind of very quickly um we we did 32 episodes of that one, but um around episode 18 or so we actually split the podcast into two so that we had lamestorming going at the same time. Is but, sweary dad still out there for people to listen to? Is it, it is. In the ether? It is. It's still um still supported on on iTunes and all that sort of stuff. Nice. Nice. See, I'm I'm the opposite like I and it's burnt me a lot of the times over the years, but I very much am a million miles an hour when there's an idea or a potential plan in place. Like I will f- put together said plan enough to just jump in and go probably way too hard, way too fast at things. I'm very much, I don't calculate things overly well. So I'm just like, that's a good <laughs> idea. Let's do it and run with it and throw time and money and everything else at it and try and make it happen. And if it happens, great. If not, Fans out and onto the next thing to, uh, you know, try run headfirst into. So yeah, I'm sorry to everyone's ears if they try to listen to the first episode of Two Sweary Dads because I'm literally using like one of those headset mic things that <laughs> were just absolutely horrible. Within a couple of episodes, I I get an SM58. Nice. Um. So, in fact, if you listen to the early early Bitstorm episodes, there's um. We grabbed all the all the original versions of the click pitch segment and um, put them into their own individual episodes. It was just a way to actually increase the feed and increase the episode episode count on um, on Bitstorm early on. It's cheeky, 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 but it's a smart way to do it. Oh, it was like we had episode one, and then the next week it would be episode one point five click pitch. Click pitch classic, and it was yep. like a half hour segment, and then we did episode two, and then two point five, and it, it went up to episode four point five. I like that. I like that. So it wasn't it wasn't full episodes. So we've actually done technically more than more than the um 
the 130 episodes that we've now done. Mm. Well, still, Coming to you Monday. <laughs> still great content. And you know, if you want to support uh, said great content, head over to patreon.com forward slash we're 8-bit and you can throw support behind us all for as little as $1 a month. Get you exclusive access to things like uh, 8 which comes out two weeks early to uh, Patreon exclusive supporters as well as uh, exclusive swag in the way of pins, stickers, t-shirts, merch and getting immortalized in the 8-bit family portrait which is getting done at the moment. I've seen some more drafts this week and my God, we look good as our respective video game avatars. But a quick big thank you and a big old sexy high five must go out to our Patreon producers, Nathan Tilly-Laurie, Josh Enor, Screamers, Tom Chavez, Howard Smith, Jared Howard, who could or could not be the cousin of Todd Howard, Liam Hart, <laughs> Anthony Florida, Andrew Natoli, Dan Vumbaka, Logan Wilson, T-Dag, Chris Nelson, Colin Sparing, and Aaron Lucas. So thank you for getting behind us in that way. It certainly means a lot. And uh, is there anything yourselves want to say or plug before we maybe close down the 8 Cast shop for another fortnight? Eldritch writes, Bitstorm, two swear dads. Yeah, that's about it. They can all be searched via Google to find the relevant uh, sites. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's like eldritchwrites.bandcamp.com. So e-l-d-r-i-t-c-h-r-i-t-e-s.bandcamp.com. Just rolls off the tongue, that one. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can hear me, obviously, on the Hungry Gamers podcast with uh, good old Brennan White here. Um, hey. And find me everywhere at Miss Ali Hart, and I'm going to book an appointment with a psychiatrist or someone to uh, discuss my inability to finish things. I know, I know a guy. I'll uh, I'll share their contact details after this. Oh, awesome. Okay, so yes, I have been Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. Find us as a greater whole at We Are 8-Bit on all the socials, on the YouTube as well, uh, youtube.com forward slash We Are 8-Bit. You want some of that sexy merch I'm talking about uh, in the ways of tracksuit pants, underpants, socks, hoodies, tees, everything else in between. We Are 8-Bit.StoreEnvy.com and uh, be sure to search the hashtag 8-Bit Collective to stay up to date with 12 fantastic podcasts under said collective. And uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe those podcasts on the podcast hosting platforms of your choosing because they help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. But until next fortnight, it has been a pleasure to bring you another episode of the 8-Bit Cast. But until then, 8-Bit Nation, much love. Stay storming. <laughs>